0: welcome back folks this is the detroiter covering sports in the motor city and the mitten state i am your host nick bradley presented by the second string and the second let's get right into it huge fucking weekend in the state of michigan in the city of detroit huge monday in the state of michigan as well we got michigan state kenneth walker getting snubbed The Peach Bowl against that fraud Heisman candidate, Kenny Pickett. Michigan whoops the asses of every Hawkeye in sight, right? Aiden Hutchinson, he's a Heisman finalist. We'll talk about it. Um, And then they got Georgia in the Orange Bowl in the college football semifinal. Not only that, the Detroit Lions finally figure out a way, finally, despite their best efforts, to actually lose again somehow, some way, figure it out, and they get their first win of the season. Jared Goff to Amon Rossain Brown at the buzzer. Ford Field, the top blew off the place. Dan Campbell in tears. There's hugging everywhere. There's there's cheering. There's laughing. There's screaming. What a Sunday in Detroit. What a game that was. I, I still can't really believe they won it. I'm so happy that they did. It was so fun to watch. I, 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 I would never rather have the Lions win one game versus like six, seven, eight games in a season But I'll tell you this, when they have seasons like this, it's fucked up, by the way, that I even just said, when they have seasons like this, like it's a common occurrence. When they have seasons like this, though, it's so, so sweet to get those rare wins. Like when you win 6-7, you're still bad. You're still not going anywhere. You're not going to get the number one pick. Winning's fun. Like those days when they win the game, it's fun. But you know it's kind of just mediocrity. It's meaningless. You're just wins in a void. When they have these 0 and 11 or 0 10 and 1 starts, and they finally finally win one, you would have thought they won the Super Bowl yesterday. Honest to God, if you watch some of those clips on Twitter, you watch the way Lions fans were reacting, the chatter on the internet, the way Ford Field sounded, the way the team reacted, the players reacted, you legitimately would have thought they won their first playoff game since 91. I swear to God, if you didn't know they hadn't won this year, you had no context and you watched those videos and you asked someone, what do you think they just accomplished? What do you think this celebration is in honor of. I, like, I'd like. i be like, they win the playoff. They would make win a playoff game. They make the playoffs. They Are they going to the Super Bowl? It seems like something huge happened. No, they just won one single game. <laughs> they just won a game. That's all that happened. It was sweet. It was so fun to watch them win. I'm happy for them. I'm happy for Dan Campbell, a guy who we've already kind of had our ups and downs with him, a guy who I've been with. I still believe in, I think, after yesterday, right, that should only help and encourage people to believe in him still. But a guy who's made some questionable decisions in his young tenure, and especially it's tough with with coaches in their first year and when they have the terrible roster, right, they have the quarterback who's making decisions where at home it's like, dude, Like you could have Belichick, like Belichick's not going to fucking stop that. He's not the one throwing the football. It's tough to gauge and kind of separate the roster from the coach. It's tough to gauge the talent from the decision-making, but I'm happy for Dan. He deserved one, right? This team, we've said it a ton. All the media outlets have said it a ton. We've seen them come close already a handful of times. They are better Than not winning a game, right? We've like two, three games. They should have won and they managed to blow it. This was shaping up to be one of those games. Kind of dominated most of the game, led most of the game. One of those games coming into the fourth, it's like, here we go. We should win. We're in a position to win. We should win. Any good team under the sun wins this game. And they came very fucking close to blowing it. I thought they had it blown for sure. They were doing things. Where it gives you the, when being a Lions fan, watching this happen time and time and time and time again, they were doing things that give you thoughts of, are they trying to lose? Like for real, I know it's right. Let's tank. Let's get the best pick. The season's a wash, but they were making decisions. Things were happening that genuinely, I understand they're professional athletes. I understand no athlete with any sort of competitive spirit goes into a game and is like, yeah, you know what? Who cares if we lose today? I get that, but they do things, and they were doing things this weekend where it legitimately the thought crossed my mind where I'm sitting there like, are they fucking trying to lose? Honest to God, are they intentionally losing? Some of the things just make no sense, and despite the victory, despite the celebration and the happiness and the relief, still make no sense. Sitting here on Monday, but they figured out a way, and Jared Goff said it right. It was funny. He was like. Good teams figure out a way to overcome mistakes, right? Good teams, not everything's going to go your way. The best teams, not everything goes your way. But what differentiates you from a bad team and a good team, a winning team and a losing team, is that bad stuff happens, right? That shitty decision happens. The bad throw comes along, the bad call comes, and you overcome it. You figure out a way to win anyways. I thought it was funny that he was like, good teams do that, because obviously this isn't this isn't a good team. But I can appreciate the sentiment. I know what he was trying to say. I know the point he's making. <laughs> I just got a good laugh because he's—they win one game and he's sitting there like good teams do this. I'm like Jared, love you to death, buddy. Yeah, yeah, great last drive, great throw at the end there. You overcame a lot of things, right? You overcame your own mistakes. But let's let's pump the brakes <laughs> on talking about what good teams do and talking about the Detroit Lions in the same sentence. It was awesome though. The fans of Detroit the regime, the players, everybody, man, everybody fucking deserved this. And that all that also is kind of one of the positives of if there are any, of being an 0-10 or whatever the fuck they are now team. It's like when you have those five-win seasons, like look at the Chicago Bears. They're a prime example. Since that NFC Championship game, they've kind of just been in no man's land, right? They're sticking with the same old stale coaching staff. They don't really do anything year-to-year roster-wise to take them over the top or even take them to the level to compete with Green Bay. And they're kind of in that position where, yeah, they win five games, they win six games, maybe they'll win seven games. But it almost creates more animosity because when they win those games, it's like, well, we've done this same shit for three years now where we win six games, we get an okay draft pick, nothing fucking happens, and we rinse and we repeat. It almost creates more animosity because – it's like obviously the lose the losses suck, the coaches are pissed, the players are pissed, the fans are pissed. But when they do finally win games, it almost people are more upset because while well, let's just lose more so we can fire the staff so we can start fresh, so we can get the quarterback, so we can have the draft pick. Those wins, those 5-6 win years almost create more angst and anger within the fan base and within the organization. It's funny that a worse season, an objectively worse season, where you win fewer games, you have less success. It's a fact. One in ten is worse than three and eight, whatever. It's a fact. But it's funny how that one win, that one game that you do win, despite losing all the rest, despite being out of the out of the playoffs and out of the season by week seven, that one win does so much. As far as morale goes for the players, for the fans, for the coaching staff and for the front office. It's funny how that works. Like everybody can kind of come together like we've been working for this. We've been waiting on this. The fans have been working for it. We've been waiting on it. And finally, finally, the patience of the fans paid off. The hard work of the players and the coaches paid off. The belief, I don't know how much belief that where there was in that locker room going into Sunday. Like you think that uh, 0-10-1 and team is going out onto the field at 1 o'clock against Minnesota going, we got this, boys. We're better than the Vikings. We're going to win this game. Do you think that was pro- – like I don't think that was happening. I i mean maybe some guys were like, yeah, we'll win this or that. I don't think a ton of guys are coming out fired up like we're about to get this dub. I just don't think that's the case. I've played on bad teams. now. It was high school sports. We're not getting paid. We're not professionals. But I've played on bad bad teams. By, like, the fourth or fifth straight loss, people start to kind of go, all right, like, this is – can we just wrap this up already? I refuse to believe Is it whatever they'll say, right? And Dan Campbell said after the game, these guys, they kept working, they kept believing, they bought in. I, people were. I guarantee you people were players, people in the organization were starting to go by by week 11, week 12 against Minnesota. Dude, who gives a fuck? Let's just mail it in. Let's wrap this season up. Let's go offseason. Fuck this, right? And they still came out, played hard, which is a testament to Dan Campbell. You can say whatever you want about the guy. That means something, and that will continue to mean something. They came out. They played hard. It didn't look like anybody was out there mailing it in, just trying to get to the end of the season done with it, right, quitting on them, nothing. They came out, played hard, they overcame adversity like Jared Goff said, and they fucking won a game that they shouldn't have won. You got to credit them, and you have to love it. You have to love it. From the fans' perspective, dude, fucking 11 weeks, we've watched the worst team in the NFL. Not only 11 weeks, 11 weeks plus, for me, 24 years before that, we've watched the worst team in the NFL. We've sat here every single Sunday knowing what's going to happen. Fully aware, I'm going to be fucking disappointed. I'm going to be angry. I'm going to be mad. I'm going to be sad. I'm going to be frustrated. Yet here I am every single Sunday planted in front of the television watching the Detroit Lions. It's rewarding. I know as fans, like we don't have shit to do with it. We're not lifting weights. We're not going to practice. (laughs) Although it kind of feels like that at some times. But it still is rewarding for the fans. Your patience is rewarded. Your fandom is rewarded. You you are fans of teams. You follow sports. You cheer on. You invest your time. You invest your energy and your emotions into sports and into teams to see them win, right? You're a Michigan fan. You're a Michigan State fan. Seasons like this year are why you do it, to win a bunch of games, to have incredible players, to beat your rivals. That's ultimately why you're a fan. But even in seasons like this for the Lions where you can't win shit, where you feel like, why do I do this? But you do it anyway. Games like Sunday are why you do it. It's so, so rewarding. Now, this doesn't mean I'm sitting here jolly as a fucking pumpkin that, oh, yay, we won one game. woohoo let's throw a parade and call it. No, this season's still a joke. This team still stinks. But it's rewarding to get one. It's rewarding. Like, you know what? The suffering of those first 11 made this one that much sweeter. It really did, and it is meaningless, and it is whatever, and they're still the worst and still going to have the first pick, but it felt good to sit down one Sunday, and even more so than just winning the game, in a game where, like I said, it felt like they were going to fucking lose again. They were going to do what the Lions have done forever, look like they're going to win, look like they're going to win, look like they're going to win, and then fucking blow it, and they didn't. The fact that the, the game went that way and the fact that 11 weeks of suffering with the new head coach new players, new regime, and they finally got it done. It was awesome. It was awesome. It was like the happiest I've been watching a Lions game in a long time, which kind of goes back to what I said with the Bears thing. What, the Lions won like three, four, five games last year? I can't remember. I I'm ha- I had more fun yes- er, uh, yeah, yesterday than I did any of those games last year that I can remember. I had more fun watching them win Sunday in a one-win season than I have in the past few where they win six games, where they win seven games. I don't know. I don't know. It's some weird human psychological thing, but it was fun. It was rewarding. And it makes me happy for the staff. We've talked about the players, right? Good for Goff. I'm glad he got one off his back. He's gotten a ton of shit this year. He still clearly isn't the guy. Like that interception alone, just what are you doing? Amon Ross St. Brown is wide fucking open underneath. Why are you throwing it into triple coverage? He's still clearly is not an upside quarterback. I mean, he's barely a game manager, and I don't want to rip the guy a ton because that last drive was awesome. He made all the right throws, right? He managed the clock well. He managed the offense well. Didn't take any stupid penalties. Made sure everybody was set. He hit. He made those throws to the out route, like those wide side out routes to get out of bounds, hit a guy in stride so he can keep running out of bounds not an easy throw to make, not an easy. I get he's in the NFL, not an easy throw to make, especially when you're Jared Goff. He was awesome on the last drive. He overcame himself playing poorly, and he got it done when it counted most. But as far as the roster goes, a lot of these guys aren't going to be here the next time Detroit plays meaningful football. A lot of these guys still are the reason this team isn't good. A lot of these guys still do leave a lot to be a desired and this and that. I'm more concerned and I was more happy for the coaching staff and I guess the front office, although the front office hasn't really had a chance to take hold quite yet. Penny Sewell has been incredible. Igwe was fucking awesome. Amon Ra. It feels like he just keeps getting better. He had the best game of his career yesterday, but the coaching staff, Dan Campbell, Aaron Glenn, Anthony Lynn. I'm happy for those guys. I'm happy for those guys because it's them who get fired. When you have the dog shit 0-10 season, everybody, yeah, golf's not the answer. Goff, the players. What the first guy to go is the coach. The first people to feel the fire, it's the staff. I'm happy for them. Because I do believe in Dan Campbell. I do think, I don't know. You know, I don't know if he's going to win a Super Bowl here. I don't even know if he'll win a playoff game here. I do think. He's going to return Detroit to a point of this game next week is meaningful, where a 17-game season, all 17 weeks, the Lions are in it. All 17 weeks matter. We have a chance to make the playoffs. We have a chance when Green Bay comes to town. We have a chance against the Bears. I think he is the guy, and he will make Detroit competitive and hopefully a playoff contender at some point. I do think he's capable of doing that. And I'm happy he got his win because, like I said, it's tough to separate when you think about this team and everything that's gone wrong. It's tough to separate whether or not, "Ah, is it the coaching staff that can't figure it out? Because like I said, that Chicago game, bad decisions. We've seen some fuck-ups, that Ravens game, the first Minnesota game. It's easy to point the finger and go, oh man, the coaching staff, this or that. And they're always the easiest to blame. But on the flip side, the roster is terrible. The players aren't what they need to be. I'm happy he got a win because I think people were starting to question him. People were starting to go, "Well, you know, it's cool that he's, you know, jacked up in the press conferences. It, it's cool that he's a guy's guy. It's cool that he he tries to be funny and like shows his personality. That's all great. But like, we fucking are losing every single time out. I'm glad he got one." Now, there are still things to improve. I didn't hate the one thing people are going to come after MCDC for is that fourth down decision. I didn't hate the decision to go for it at all. I did not. I think, you know what? You're the Detroit Lions. You're 0 10. You have literally fucking nothing to lose. The way it goes for you, 99% of the time, you punt the ball back to Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. They'll march down the field, chew up those six minutes, score with 20 seconds left, and the game's over. I didn't hate the decision itself to go for it. Plus, he's been doing that all year. He's been aggressive all year. Anytime it's kind of a 50-50, should we go for it, he goes. That's his identity. That's how he is. I like it. I don't blame him. I saw uh, like some graph today saying the Detroit – I don't know what statistics it's fucking according to, but the Detroit Lions go for it when they're supposed to more than any other team in the league. You can criticize, oh, he shouldn't have done it. Oh, he does shit like that too much right? The timeouts are still an issue. What happened at the end of the Chicago game on Thanksgiving fucking issue, but that fourth down call, I don't know if it was the right call, but he's been right more than he's been wrong about fourth downs this year. That's his identity. That's what he's done. The issue was if you're going to go for it there on fourth and an inch, you can't call a play where Jared Goff drops back to pass and he makes the decision. You rely on his athleticism. You rely on his playmaking ability. That's the issue. You're at fourth down and less than a yard. Quarterback sneak that thing. Fourth down and less than a yard. I thought the offensive line played well all day. I thought we kind of ran the ball well all day. Run the ball. On fourth down and that short, do not, by any circumstance, do not allow Jared Goff to sit back there and allow him to be the make or break on if you get this first down or not. That was my. That's my grievance. I don't mind that he went for it. I don't know. Again, was it the right idea? I mean, backed up in our own territory. It's an automatic three points. I don't know if that was the right idea. I do know that the play call was wrong. And I don't mind him going for it. I do mind giving it to probably, I mean, no offense, probably your least adept offensive player. Now, if that play, if you're going to have him throw it and it's a two-step quick slant, if you're going to have him throw it and it's a quick out, if you're going to have him throw it and it's just go to hawk. All right. That's one thing. I still don't love it, but to have it be a play action drop back and like make a read that's fucked up. Do not like you weren't doing that shit on third down and 10 a week ago. It's third and eight and you're running halfback draws. Why all of a sudden on fourth and an inch, do you want to throw the ball? That was my issue. I am happy for him. Like I said, there are things to clean up. I thought he was better this week than he was against Chicago. Dan Campbell, that is. But that Chicago game still happened. That Ravens game still happened. He still has shown signs where it's like, damn, that's not how timeouts work, buddy. That's not how clock management is supposed to go, my friend. My cousin who's 11 years old and plays Madden would have called the timeout there, Dan. That shit still exists. You got to hope. You got to believe he's going to figure it out. It comes with time, even though like, it's not like he's brand new to football. This isn't Ted Lasso in reverse. Like he's been around the game. You should know if you've been watching football for more than a couple of years, which he has, he fucking played the game. You should know when you're supposed to call timeouts and when you're not, I digress. You got to believe that'll come along. You got to believe he'll get better at it. There is something to be said. And if, you know, the whole him calling plays is another can of worms that I mean, the offense was great in the first half and that last drive. They got it done. 29 points. That's respectable. First time, I can't remember what the stat was. First time they broke 20 in a, like five weeks or something. Pathetic. Or it may—it was from the 49ers game, I think. Even fucking worse. That's a whole other can of worms that I don't really want to talk about today. There's something to be said for the fact that those guys still want to play for him. There's something to be said for the fact that they've gone 11 games without winning and those guys still come out like they're zero and zero. There's something to be said for the way those guys hug them and celebrate with them and the emotion and the joy on their faces, not only for themselves and the fact that they won, but for him. There's something to be said for Sheila Ford coming down into the locker room and giving him a hug and celebrating like like they fucking won the Super Bowl, dude. There's something to be said for that. Leadership, I've long said, I've had conversations with one of my friends about this. Leadership, it's great. Like if you're a mastermind and you know what offensive play works on every down of every situation, that's great. That's awesome. You probably coach a great team. There's something to be said for getting people to buy in. There's something to be said for when the chips are down, getting the people around you to still have the energy and have the passion and perform at their highest potential. That is hard to do. That, I think, is harder to do than calling plays. That, I think, is harder to do than finding somebody to call plays. Getting a roster full of pros who, listen, if they go 0-17 or if they go 17-0, and 0, they're getting paid the exact same thing. There's something to be said for getting those guys to come out and play like they still had all their goals in front of them, to play with their hair on fire, to play like they wanted that game against Minnesota more than they've wanted anything in their lives. That means something. And this season's a wash, and that win isn't going to matter in the grand scheme. But guess what? That's the guy that I want leading this team when it's week 10 and we're five and five. Will we or won't we? That's the guy I want leading this team when we have to beat the Chicago Bears to finish ahead of them in the NFC North. That's the team, the guy I want leading this team when it's week 17, we're going to Lambeau, and we got to win to make the playoffs. That's the guy I want. The guy who gets the most out of his players under any circumstances. It's a cliche thing to say, But it's fucking true. It's easy to be upbeat. It's easy to be positive. It's easy to show up to work and have good energy and do your job and be fired up and work hard when everything's going well. That's fucking easy, dude. In all walks of life, football, sports, normal jobs, relationships, anything. When it's going well, dude, it's fucking easy to show up. It's smiles and butterflies when it's going, not only not going well, but it's going when it's going as bad as it possibly can when it's going fucking terribly, when it's going 0-10-1, and one, it's hard to get people to show up and act like it's going well. It's hard to get people to show up and still put in their full effort and do their best. When they know, they're smart guys, they know this season's going nowhere. These guys know that game against Minnesota didn't mean anything. They know the fans are cursing them on Twitter. They know Ford Field's not selling as many tickets. They know they're getting booed. They know that shit's happening. It is fucking hard to get people to come out and do their best and play with 100% energy and passion and play for you and buy into you and what you're telling them when what you've told them and what you've preached hasn't worked this far. That is very difficult to do. And I think that's more important than being able to draw up the perfect counterplay on third and two. I think that's difficult. And Dan Campbell seems to have it. Those guys play hard. The fan base loves them. Sheila Ford seems to love them. Him and Brad Holmes, both guys, super passionate, super energetic, super emotional. You saw them after that win. They looked like they just won the fucking Super Bowl. They looked like they were wearing the pads. You can't can't teach that. It's hard to find guys like that. And I'm glad we got one of them. I think the future's bright with Dan Campbell. I know the season's over, but, man, Sunday was fun. It, I feel great for Lions fans. I feel great for myself. I'm one of those fucking people. <laughs> I feel great for the coaches, the players, the front office, every the dudes selling tickets. I feel great for everybody associated with the Lions. It feels good. Hard work doesn't go unnoticed. I can't wait to see what next year, the following year, the future looks like with these guys. All right, I'm going to take a quick break. We'll talk Michigan whooping ass against Iowa. Aiden Hutchinson going to New York. Probably take another break after that. We'll talk Michigan State meeting Pitt in Atlanta. My peaches down in Georgia. And Kenneth Walker with the snub of the millennium. Quick break. All right, let's talk Michigan. Aiden Hutchinson. They murdered Iowa. I mean, plain and simple. They murdered a program 42 to 3. Iowa. Have some respect for yourselves. You know, that that was the Big Ten championship. Is Iowa aware? Were they aware? They had a game. They had a game for a conference championship, and they wet the bed. Worse, they shat the bed. I mean, it was pathetic. I don't mind Michigan winning. I mean, they were f- obviously the fucking better team. They're obviously going to present more of a challenge than anybody else from the Big Ten would have in the college football playoff. But, man, I was hoping for at least something to watch. I mean, it was halftime, and I'm sitting here like, all right, well, Seinfeld, do I like that? Should I go to sleep? I have a book. I don't read much. Should I start reading? I mean, it was bad. At least make it a game. At least look competitive. At least look like you belong in the Big Ten. Credit to Michigan. They dominated. Michigan is, I, they're fucking great, dude. They're awesome. I don't know what changed. I don't know if they got salty, started working hard or whatever after Michigan State played them, but they are a 100% different team than they were in East Lansing on October 30th. The defense all of a sudden, a defense that Kenneth Walker shredded to win that game, all of a sudden looks like they could stop anybody. All of a sudden looks like they could stop Thanos. All of a sudden looks like water wouldn't leak through them. I mean, they're unbelievable. The fact that Iowa scored three, if you watch that game, if you watched Iowa's offense, the fact that they even put up three seems like a miracle, to be honest with you. I mean, three, that that may as well have been 30. The offense for Michigan all of a sudden is electric. Same deal. Josh Gaddis has been a guy ever since he got to U of M. He was a big name. It was, oh, this guy, he's going to change up the offense. He's going to speed in space. <laughs> speed in space. They love saying that. People kind of soured on him. I would see week after week, especially, you know, I mean, Michigan has one low output game offensively, and it's what's Josh Gaddis's deal? He's fucking stale. All he does is call runs. He's so conservative. Why did we bring this guy here? I thought he was supposed to be creative, speed and space, get the wide receivers the ball. All of a sudden, their offense is pulling magic out of the hat. It's incredible. Donovan Edwards throwing 40-yard dimes. Cade McNamara, J.J. McCarthy, read options, this, that, the other. I mean, they're pulling every trick out of the hat. They're scoring points at points in all kinds of ways. They're scoring a ton of points. In all kinds of ways, they look like a completely different team than two months ago. It's unbelievable to a month ago, a month and six days ago. It's unbelievable to watch. It really is. I don't. I mean, I don't know how much there is to say, to be honest with you, about that game against Iowa because they got fucking curb stomped. The game started. It looked like they might hang for a bit, and then Michigan turned it on, and that was that. Iowa's offense looked discombobulated. Kirk Ferentz, dude is a joke. How is that guy? I know 10 and two or whatever. I was going to finish this year. Pretty good season. How is that guy still there? Punting at midfield when you're the underdog, when you getting to midfield is the equivalent of scoring a fucking touchdown and you're punting the ball. The amount of conserve, talk about conservative. That's all they did. I saw a tweet. Kirk Ferentz is more conser- more conservative than your racist grandpa. Yeah, he is. He's more conservative than the leader of the KKK. This dude almost refuses to score points. Oh, the run game hasn't worked once on a single drive all day. Hasn't even worked for a play. Run it again. They're eating the run up alive. These play action boots are getting blown up in the backfield. Every time we run them, run it again. It's mind boggling that Kirk Ferentz is still there. It's mind boggling that Iowa was in that game. It's mind boggling that they haven't realigned the divisions. Like, I get that it's cool that MSU, OSU, PSU, U of M, every time they meet in the regular season, it feels like a playoff game, right? Huge crowd. It's prime time. Everybody's watching. It pulls massive viewers. I get that allure, and that's 100% why they haven't realigned. But to some extent, dude, like can we make the conference championship game interesting? Why is the week seven game between Michigan and Michigan State a thousand times more fun and more interesting than the fucking Big Ten championship. That seems a little backwards. That seems a bit backwards. We got to do something about that because it is a shame. It is a shame that Iowa was in that game. And I know the counter argument, Oh, Michigan state and Michigan, they already played Michigan, Ohio state. They already played. We don't want to see rematches. All right. Fair enough. Would you rather see a rematch where it may be a close game, or would you rather have Iowa or Wisconsin or Northwestern go in as a sacrificial lamb and get slaughtered and the game's over by halftime? What's more fun? Fan bases aside too, because Iowa's always going to watch that game. Michigan fans are always going to watch that game. Some dude in SEC country, does he want to tune into that? Is he sticking through halftime? Probably not. Probably not. I just don't understand. And it's a slap in the face what's pathetic. Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State all would have led, all would have won the Big 10 West this year. Michigan State sitting at third. Uh Ohio State sitting at home in second. All would have won the Big 10 West. And instead, oh, let's throw Iowa out there to get creamed by 39. Fucking ugh. it is what it is. There's no changing it, but dude, as a fan, like as a casual viewer of that game, my team's not in it. It's like I'd like this to be fun in the third quarter. Is that asking too much? I'd like to not think about turning the Big Ten championship off before the halftime act even comes along. Like, is that too much to ask? It feels like that should be more of a priority. Now, again, not much to say. The defense is incredible for U of M. The offense, all of a sudden, they look like Ohio State. They have gadget plays. They run the ball down everybody's throats. Cade McNamara is good. The play calling is good. The run game is good. The receivers are good. Everything's just fucking clicking. They truly are hitting their stride at the perfect time, but I want to focus more on the Georgia game, the upcoming game, the orange bowl, the college football playoff. If you would have asked me a week ago, certainly two weeks ago, before they played Ohio state, Michigan, Georgia, orange bowl, college football playoff. Does Michigan stand a chance? I would have laughed in your face. I would have said you were crazy. How How are they going to stand a chance? How are they going to score points on Georgia's defense? How are they going to stop Georgia's offense? Are you crazy? All of a sudden, I'm sitting here two weeks later like, I think Michigan is the better team. I think Michigan might be better. You watch Georgia play Alabama. And don't get me wrong, Alabama's no slouch, obviously. When Alabama's on, tough for anybody to beat them. I think Michigan may be the better team. What what Alabama did to Georgia's offense Saturday – I think why wouldn't Michigan do that if not more? Why would Michigan not have more success defensively than Alabama? I think Michigan's defense is better. You have those two freak edge rushers and, oh, Ja, Bo, and Hutchinson. You have Dax Hill in the back end. You have uh, Josh Ross and what's the fr- Colson in the linebacking crew. Why wouldn't Michigan have more success, at least the same, if not more success, defensively against Georgia? Stetson Bennett, not great. Didn't look too hot. They couldn't run the ball. I haven't watched Georgia really at all this year, so I don't know if they're a team that when they run the ball, they're unstoppable. And if they can't, they're kind of flaccid. Seems like one of those teams. They couldn't really run the ball against Alabama. They got down in the game. They had to throw it, and the wheels fell off in an absolute hurry. Why wouldn't Michigan's defense have the same, if not more, success? I think they should. I think they will, to be honest with you. I think Aiden Hutchinson, I've seen enough to this point where it's like he's going to eat no matter who's lined up across from him. He's going to feast on a first-round left tackle, second-round left tackle, no-name left tackle. It th- You could put a literal brick wall across from him. He'd still probably finish the game with a couple sacks, few quarterback pressures. Like, he's that level good. Ojabo, same deal. It doesn't matter who your right tackle is. I know everyone says, oh, the SEC's different. Bam and Georgia are just a different level. Yeah, it's great you beat Ohio State, but you haven't seen Alabama. You haven't seen Georgia. Uh, I don't know if it matters. I don't know if it matters. I'd almost say, oh, your offensive line might be great, but you haven't seen Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo. You can't double one of them. You can't shade the one side because the other is the fucking boogeyman and he's coming and the offense. I mean, it's tough to say, you know, the offense since that Michigan State game has really turned on because they put up 33 on MSU. The offense was good for most of that game. They had the couple costly turnovers, which ultimately lost them the game. But the offense is fucking electric. They run the ball as we saw against Ohio State, as we saw again this Saturday. They run the ball on anybody, and I know Georgia's defense. The whole the narrative all season: this defense is incredible. We've never seen a college football defense like this. Jordan Davis, that tackle's a freak. Blah blah blah. Dude, I get it. I get it. I believe it. I'm sure they're you know they're gonna put up a good fight. It's gonna be a good game. Um, I I still think Michigan runs the ball. I still think Michigan will run the ball on them. What has happened in the last few weeks that would make me think Michigan can't run the ball on anybody? Honestly, why would anybody have a reason to believe, ah, they're going to struggle in the ground game? Now, I think if that does come, if Georgia can figure out a way to stymie the run game and Hassan Haskins and Quorum, you can't just hand it to him for five yards of play. And now it's, hey, Cade, this is on you. I think if that comes, it comes to that. All right, we'll see what happens. Even then, though, Cade's been up to the challenge. I said that going into the Michigan State game. Do everything in your power. Make the entire defensive game plan to disallow U of M from running the football. And MSU did a hell of a job of that. Cade McNamara was torching him. Cade McNamara was moving the ball at will. He had a great fucking game. Some would say that was his breakout game. That kind of got him going. I'm sitting here if Georgia stops the run, which, right, they should be more capable of stopping the run than anybody Michigan's played all season long. If they do stop the run, I'm I'm okay. I kind of think kate will figure it out anyway. I kind of think the pass game will pick up the run game. Again, again, you can say whatever you want about Georgia's defense and Michigan hasn't played a team like them and the SEC is different. What has happened this season? that would give you reason to believe, more importantly, what has happened recently, that would give you reason to believe that Michigan can't throw the ball on them. Nothing. Every indicator in every aspect of the way Michigan's playing, special teams, Jake, Money, Moody, offense, defense, every aspect, every indicator of every aspect of the game would tell me that Michigan is going to have their way with anybody. And at the very worst, at the very worst, Michigan doesn't dominate running running the football, but they're still able to, right? Maybe they're not totally reliant on it. Maybe they're not manhandling them like they did against Ohio State and running it at will. Fine, maybe they can't do that. I think it's like a worst case scenario. Georgia does the best they possibly can against them. Michigan's still running the ball pretty well. Michigan still has a fine day on the ground. They can't rely on it. They can't turn around every single time they need a first down, fine. I still think they do a fine job passing game, same deal. I think a bad game at this point for the U of M pass game is they're still going to have a decent game. Like their shit game, their floor now has been raised from, yeah, they could actually have a real bad game. They could actually be the reason Michigan loses to their bad game is all right. Still pretty solid. Still gives you a great chance to win. Like that's the level U of M's playing at. And it's different. I think basketball hockey even it weighs a little more like the whole hot factor momentum i think maybe those sports it comes into play more like we've seen march madness you get hot you're making shots feeling good teams that maybe shouldn't win or are less talented can kind of go on runs i don't know if it's quite the same in football i think it's got to be a little bit in play though just the momentum michigan has beat ohio state for the first time in forever winning the big 10 for the first time in forever Harbaugh getting the monkey off his back. Hutchinson in New York, fans feeling good. Everybody feeling good. I think that momentum and that positive energy, maybe it doesn't give them a huge edge. Maybe it doesn't play a real big part. I think it plays a part, though. I think it comes into play a little bit. And on the flip side, Georgia hasn't lost all year. I don't even know if they've had a close game all year and they just got abused by Alabama abused. They didn't lose that game close. It wasn't a nail biter. It wasn't a 50 50. Ah, they could have, you know, if they would have just done that, they got dominated. They lost that game easily. It. I mean, it was close. It was a 14 point game. Didn't really feel that close to be honest with you. They're kind of on the flip side of that where how are they feeling? They haven't countered adversity all season long. They haven't got kicked in the face all season long. They haven't lined up across from a team and left that game saying, oh, shit, those guys are better than us. That hasn't happened to them all year long. Now they're coming off a game like that. Michigan had that game. They had that game a month ago. They've played, what, five or six, seven games since then. They're back to feeling great. They've dealt with the adversity, right? They lost that game to Michigan State. Everybody was counting them out. People were talking about Harbaugh again, this, that, the other thing. The defense doesn't show up. They've had that game. They rose to the challenge again. They were faced with Ohio State, another game where people probably and I think did expect, oh, Michigan, they're not going to win this game. They couldn't stop Michigan State. What are they going to do against Ohio State? They've had that gut check moment, right? They've had the back against the wall. Are you about it or are you not? And they fucking showed. Georgia hasn't had that, that, that kick in the teeth, and they haven't had the tune-up time, right? Between that Michigan State and Ohio State game, U of M had three, four games to kind of get back to themselves, figure it out, get the positive momentum rolling again, leading into Ohio State. Georgia got their ass kicked, and they're going to line up. The next time they do is going to be against another team capable of kicking their ass, another team that believes they will kick their ass, and another team that wants to kick their ass, perhaps more than Alabama did, perhaps more than anybody's Georgia anybody Georgia has played all season long. I think that worries me if you're a Georgia fan. Again, don't know how much it plays because I think football the whole physicality aspect kind of changes it compared to sports like basketball and hockey. I still think it factors in a little bit. I still think, you know, their heads got to be spinning a little bit. They got to be doing some questioning a little bit. Michigan's flying high. Michigan thinks they can beat anybody you put in front of them. And why wouldn't they? And why fucking wouldn't they? Aiden Hutchinson Heisman contender invited to New York. Fair enough. We'll, I mean, we'll get into the Heisman conversation more in the next segment, talking about Kenneth Walker and the snub of the fucking millennium. BS, BS from the Heisman committee. I don't have a problem with Hutch being there. Now the argument can be made. Will Anderson just has way better stats. I mean, that's a fact. You want to say Hutch is dominant. He did this or that. Fine. Um, Michigan fans are going to do that. I get it. It's a fact. Will Anderson's numbers are just way better than his. Like, it's a fact. (laughs) Just look at the numbers. Every meaningful stat, Will Anderson, is just better. So you could say, oh, if we're going to put a defender and put Will Anderson in, I don't mind Hutch being there. He is a freak. I think those clips of him just steamrolling offensive linemen helps. I think the fact that his dad played at Michigan helps. The fact that Michigan's back for the first time in forever helps definitely playing a, a role and, you know, that it, shit happens. I don't have a problem with him being there. He's not going to win it. I don't have a problem with him being there. He's not the guy. He's not the reason I'm upset that Kenneth Walker isn't there. A lot of people on Twitter today, a lot of state fans poo-pooing Aiden, saying, oh, how the fuck is he going to be there when he met MSU, the other, you know, Kenneth Walker torched the Heisman finalist, blah, 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 fair, whatever. Aiden's not my problem. My problem more so is the fact CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, they made it. They're playing with the best offensive lines, the best wide receivers, the best coaches. You could put a fucking vacuum cleaner in the pocket at Ohio State, and it would throw for 3,000 yards a season. That's where my gripe more so is with Kenneth Walker not getting it. Or, hey, just invite five guys. I don't know if like they've done it in the past. I don't know since when the four-person limit came about. Just invite five guys that's fine. Like we all know it's going to be Bryce Young. Everybody knows that F- whatever it is, what it is. There's no avoiding that The co- everybody associated with college football sucks off Alabama. Like it's their job. That's fine. At least give the kid the fucking credit to invite him. I mean, if you really want to talk Heisman, if you really want to talk most valuable player, nobody was more than Kenneth Walker, plain and simple. And I don't think nobody was less important than those quarterbacks, to be honest with you. That's why I don't mind Hutch being there. I think if they don't have him this year, I don't know if they beat Ohio State. They probably beat Iowa. I mean, Iowa fucking sucks. But I don't know if they beat Ohio State. Maybe they lose that game against Rutgers earlier in the season. Maybe they lose against Nebraska. I think Hutch is a guy. Like, you take him off that team, the team's a lot different. He is kind of that most valuable player criteria. Those quarterbacks, it's like – I. Peyton Thorne would be in New York if he if he played at Ohio State. Like, really? What are we doing here? Um. Anyways, we got a whole month. We got a whole month now to wait for the Michigan-Georgia game. I'm sure we'll talk about it plenty, especially now like the Lions got the big win out of the way. If they win again, sure. I mean, great, we'll talk about it. The problem they face now is if they win again, now it's like people are going to be upset that they're hurting the draft stock. So we'll have plenty of time to talk more Michigan-Georgia. Um, and we'll get into it more as the year goes on. Once the Heisen ceremony happens, all that good stuff. We got plenty of time, but congrats to Michigan and the fans. Crazy to think it's been 17 years, 17 fucking years since they won the big 10. Like I don't, I, my memory didn't work when they won the big 10 last congrats to them. I'm excited to see what they do in the playoff. Uh, congrats to Hutchinson. We'll take a quick break, talk Michigan state against Pitt in the peach bowl. And elaborate a little more on canine snub of the uh, snub of the millennium. Michigan State is headed peaches down in Jaja to Atlanta, playing the Peach Bowl against University of Pittsburgh. Pat Narduzzi, the former Spartan dog, still is a Spartan dog. Forever will be a Spartan dog. And Heisman. <laughs> <laughs> Heisman finalist, Kenny Pickett, the fake sliding extraordinaire. I hope Kenny Pickett gets a helmet through his sternum when they meet up. I hope he has his soul removed from him by Cal Halliday. I hope he thinks, I hope he, he doesn't even attempt. He doesn't even physically do a fake slide, but I hope the thought crosses his mind and Xavier Henderson reads it and sends him back to last weekend with a hit. I hope he gets murked. I mean, I hope he's healthy and whatever can go to the NFL. I hope he pays. I hope he pays not only for that fake sliding BS, but also for the fraud Heisman candidacy. I hope he pays and he will pay. He absolutely will pay. I'm excited for the game though. Atlanta, cool spot to play. Also great for MSU's recruiting. Georgia, obviously, massive state, so that'll be good for Mel and Co. Um, You know, everybody's fired up. Like, it's cool that it's a New Year's, New Year's Six game. It's cool. It's one of the, I don't, do they still call them the BCS games or just New Year's Six? Whatever. The only bowl games that anybody cares about. It's cool that it's one of those. It's cool. High honor. They'll, I think they'll hang a banner for it or some kind of I think they get something if they win it. I know they have like the Cotton Bowl and the Rose Bowl things up in the practice facility and everything. So that's sweet. Obviously, winning it would be a beautiful way to cap off this incredible bounce back season. Eleven wins. I made a TikTok about this the other day. Ten and two, especially you know where where we were supposed to be and where the predictions were for this team preseason. But ten and two, anytime you hit double digits, great year, great year. Your team was very good right? Obviously would like to win the big 10. Obviously would have liked to have beaten Ohio state. Of course, of course. And we'll get there. And those goals are still in front of us, right? This is only the beginning. We've only just begun. We haven't even begun to begin. If that makes sense. I'm excited for the opportunity to get to 11. I feel like you hit 11 that kind of, that's like another echelon of a season. If they lose and go 10 and 3, still a great year, right? Way overachieved, still had a great time watching this team, great time being a fan, so many memorable games. But when you get to 11, that season enters like another tier of great. It really does. 11 and 2, that's fucking legit. 11 and 2, and you beat Michigan in a season you were supposed to win four games. That is absolutely legit. That's elite tier stuff. You win eleven games. That is elite tier stuff. And this is still a table setter of a season. This is all table setting. This is still sending a message. Mel Tucker sending a message to recruits: Hey, we're um, we're the real fucking deal. Come to Michigan State. You want to win a Big Ten? Come to Michigan State. You want to play at the highest level? You want to win a ton of games? Come to Michigan State. This is still a table setter game, and they have the chance to win 11 and enter the elite tier of college football, the elite level of season. I'm very excited. Uh, I haven't watched Pitt at all, really. The first time I saw anything was that picket fake slide this weekend. Haven't watched them at all. They're 11 and 2 already, so they must be pretty fucking good. Their quarterback's a Heisman candidate, must be pretty fucking good. Obviously, we know the story with MSU. Pass defense, not the strong suit. Is not what got us to 10 wins. But hey, they've got a month to figure it out. Mel Tucker's a smart guy. Mel Tucker is going to want to win. They're going to come out fired up. They're going to treat this game like it's a college football playoff game. I expect him, I don't know how it's going to go. I'm sure Pittsburgh's going to score some points regardless. I expect Michigan State to come out with some stuff to counteract the fact that, you know, secondary isn't quite it in the pass coverage aspect. I assume MSU will come out with some stuff. I assume they're going to play hard. I expect us to win this game. I expect Michigan State to win the game. I do. I do. I mean, it's fucking Pittsburgh. No disrespect, but obviously that was disrespectful. It's Pittsburgh. I expect Michigan State to win the game. What I'm pumped for is the fact that the last few weeks of the season, while we still won all those games outside of Ohio State, this team was so banged up. No Chuck Brantley, right? ronald williams in and out of the lineup offensive linemen out of the lineup defensive linemen linebackers missing time kenneth walker was banged up Jaden reed Jalen naylor missing time i can't wait to get to watch this team at full strength one more time i expect everybody to play obviously who knows kenneth walker may sit out and if he did i'd be like you know what Fine, dude. You're going to be a high draft pick. You're going to go make a ton of money in the NFL. Fine. I wouldn't blame you. Kenny Pickett, same deal. If he says, you know what? I'm not going to play. I'm going to just save my shit for the NFL. All right, fine. I can't really blame you. I do expect everybody to play for the green and white. I do expect it to be a great game. I do expect us to put on a show. I do expect us to win. I really do. This team, we haven't seen them at full strength since when? Purdue, were they full strength against Purdue? I don't think they had Brantley. When's the last time they had everybody? They get a month to heal up. They get a month to scout game plan. And we still have some of the best players in the Big Ten, some of the most dynamic guys offensively in the country. Kenneth Walker, dude, we haven't seen him at full strength in like four games, three games since before Ohio State. This guy gets a month to get his ankle right. He already that last game of the season, he tore up Penn State in the fucking snow in a foot of snow. He was making cuts, juking dudes, running with a bum ankle. He looked infinitely better off a week's rest. This guy's gonna get a month to get his ankle right. He's going to put a number on Pittsburgh. I don't know what their rush defense ranks. I don't know if it's good or bad. I assume their defense is solid with Narduzzi. He is going to put up a number. On pit. I promise you that. And if you didn't think he was already that, that Heisman snub, oh no, he wasn't good enough. He's not, oh, he's not that special. He is going to dominate this game. I have every confidence in the world. Kenneth Walker is going to go for like 200, maybe three tutties. He's going to have some runs where he should be hit for a two yard loss and it'll be a five yard game. He's going to have some runs where it should be a four yard gain, and it's a 20 yard game. He's he's going to have some runs where it should be a 10 yard gain, and he houses it. He's going to dominate and I cannot wait to have the honor to watch him one last time at MSU. I don't know if he plans on going to the draft. Um, I would assume so, right? Like I, you have to, kind of. I would assume Mel Tucker also is probably like, hey, can love you, would love to have you, but, like, dude, you, you fucking, you got to go. Like, it's not worth it. You got to go. I would imagine he's gone. Jaden Reed, same thing. One of the best wide receivers in the Big Ten. Very slept on because he doesn't wear scarlet and gray. I expect him to dominate. Jalen Naylor, if he comes back with the hand, same deal. Most One of the most underrated receivers in the Big Ten. I expect him to dominate. I expect Payne Thorne to have a great game. I expect the offensive line to be healthy and to have a great game. I expect us to score points. I expect us to come in with a plan to stop Pitt's offense. I expect us to win, and I cannot wait. If it is the last time we see guys like Jaden Reed, guys like Kenneth Walker who have been – really the focal point of what, have, what has made this season so special, what it, what got us to 10 wins, who have made plays when MSU needed them to win games, if this is the last time we see both of those guys in the green and white, I cannot wait to cherish it. I can't wait to sit back for three hours on December 30th, clear my damn schedule, nothing going on, turn the phone off, sit there and watch Kenneth Walker run the football. I cannot wait to sit there and watch Jaden Reed run smash fade and have Peyton Thorne put it up so he can moss some sorry ass pit cornerback. I cannot wait to get to watch those guys one last time. And who knows? Who knows if they'll come back? I've read things, both of them. I'm kind of like, I don't know how you're going to raise your stock anymore. Now's the time to go. You don't want to risk injury. You guys have had great seasons. Anybody who cuts the tape can see these guys are the real fucking deal. I would imagine they'd both go. I feel like they'd both be smart to go, obviously, if they fucking decide to come back for another ride at Michigan State. I'm not going to complain. Kenneth Walker returning next year? Can you imagine that? They just got Jalen Berger in the transfer portal. I'm psyched to watch him play. I'm psyched that he is going to have a chance to be the next Kenneth Walker. Imagine K-9 says, nah, fuck it, I'm coming back? Are you kidding me? And what would make me even happier than just them coming back? Imagine they come back and they give some sort of speech, some commentary to it along the lines of, I want to win. I want to win a big 10 before I'm done. I want to go to a college football playoff here. I would be so jazzed. You'd have to change my pants. The moment I read those words, I can't wait to watch these guys again. It really is. I've talked about it with Kenneth before, um, made TikToks again about it, but like, Watching guys like that, where you can just tell, you can just tell stats aside, records aside, you can just put the game on, watch these dudes play, and you can tell that they're different. They don't come around often. They don't come around. And yes, I want to win. Yes, I'm excited to watch the entire team. Yeah, I'm excited to watch how the defense plays. More than all of that, I can't wait to watch this guy potentially one last time. You don't get guys like this often. You don't. Joe Bocce was a guy. Loved watching him play. In on every tackle. Antoine Simmons last year. Same shit. Seemingly made every tackle. You don't have guys like that all the time. Aaron Burbridge in 2015. Probably my favorite player from that team. I think one of the most underrated MSU football players, at least in my lifetime, he was a guy like that. You just throw it to him, dude. He could look covered. Just throw it to him. He'll catch it. After the catch, he makes crazy plays. One of those guys that They make it look so easy. You're kind of like, oh, doesn't everybody do this? And then they leave, and you catch yourself four years later watching highlights of them in 2015. (laughs) I can't wait. I cherish it. Spartan Nation, cherish it. Because you don't know if he's going to go. If he does come back, then hey, bonus, icing on the cake. But if he does go, which I think he will, we're going to miss him sorely. We've had guys on the basketball court, Cassius Winston. Lucky enough, we were we had four years of him, but when he left and now watching the team last year, even watching the team this year, even though they've been awesome, I fucking miss watching Cassius Winston play, dude. I was excited. Like anytime MSU Hoops had a game, yeah, I was excited to watch the team. I was excited to watch the game. I was excited to watch Cassius Winston play basketball more than anything else, more than the team, more than I hope we win, more than this or that. I was excited to watch Cassius Winston play basketball. That's going to be my mindset going into the Peach Bowl. I'm excited to watch Kenneth Walker play. I think it's going to be, like I said, great recruiting opportunity, great way to have positive momentum heading into the offseason, great way to cap off what was already a great year and just turn it into a phenomenal year, turn it into an elite-level year. There's so many opportunities and so many positives sitting there right for the taking I cannot wait to see how this team comes out and plays, the coaching staff. I can't wait to see the energy and how they cap off this season. I'm very excited. I think it's going to be an awesome game. I assume Pitt's going to be a great opponent. I hope it's a close game, right? Like, I'm, it's going to be fucking great. That said, when it's over, when Ken, it's done, I'm going to be sad. I'm going to be sad we don't have football. I'm going to be sad Jaden Reed might go. I'm going to be sad this magical year's over, dude. I'm going to be I'm going to be excited for next year and the higher heights, the higher heights, the elevated heights reach higher. Shout out 2015 to Antonio. I'm excited for what's to come. I'm excited for bigger accomplishments, winning the Big Ten, beating Ohio State, making a college football playoff. I am excited and I am ready for those years to come. But don't take for granted what we have now. Don't take for granted what this season has been. I want the Big Ten. I want next year to come around so we can win 11 games, beat Ohio State, beat Michigan, go to the playoff. I want all that too. Don't let that get in the way of what happened this year and what we're getting one more treat of from this season, the magic of this season, the enjoyment we've gotten from a season that was supposed to be a lost cause, a season that was supposed to be a fast-forward wash, a season that we were supposed to want to never remember. Don't take that for granted and enjoy it. Now let's talk the biggest snub in the history of college football. Kenneth Walker did not receive a nomination to New York. He will not be on the Heisman ballot. He will not be there. What a fucking joke. The Heisman committee is what an absolute fucking joke. The Heisman committee is. And I talked about Hutchinson and we talked about Will Anderson. How are you going to put three quarterbacks pick it? Like I said, haven't watched them. Don't really, I don't know what his stats are. How are you going to put Bryce Young, CJ Stroud in there? Guys who did not elevate their team the way Kenneth Walker did. Let's be honest. If we're treating it like an MVP award, which it is, which it it isn't, but what it claims to be, if we're treating it like an MVP award, the most valuable player to his team, it's Kenneth Walker wins the Heisman. It's not even a question. He's the only guy get, that gets invited, and he's the one that wins. He elevated this team. Without Kenneth Walker, Jordan Simmons, let's say he's the running back this year. Another, I think he's a good player. He's the running back this year. MSU doesn't beat Michigan. I don't know if MSU beats Northwestern. MSU doesn't beat Rutgers, or maybe doesn't beat Rutgers. There are like four games you can point to where it's, I don't know if they beat them without Kenneth Walker. He, bar none, elevated his program to another level, to like two another levels. This is what. What do you? If they don't have Kenneth Walker, what is State this year? Six and six, maybe they went ten and two on this man's back. He single-handedly beat a college football playoff team. Think about that. Where their forte is their defense. Where their game plan. All they had to do was stop him, and he still ran for 197 yards and five touchdowns. The same team that had a Heisman finalist on their defensive line. Didn't fucking matter. Kenneth Walker was too good to put CJ Stroud and Bryce Young in New York over him is a fucking joke. It's pathetic. It discredits everything the Heisman claims to be about. It makes no sense. It's a joke. It is, it is because guess what? You could put a fucking doorknob in the pocket at Ohio state. You could put a mop at quarterback for Alabama, they'd have 3,000-yard seasons too. When you have the best offensive line, the best receivers, it's pretty fucking easy to do your job. It really is. Take it from me. I played quarterback on a team, not so great offensive line. I watched some teams, the Clarkston High Schools of the world. Nobody even came within breathing distance of their QB, and wouldn't you know it, those guys hang back. That It's seven on seven. Yeah, their arm works. They're going to have great seasons. Not to mention, it's not like Kenneth Walker was running behind some bulldozer. Didn't have a single all Big Ten selection on the offensive line. Would have been the first Heisman candidate as a running back to not have a single all Big Ten selection on the offensive line. If you watch the games, which this is my favorite part, all the people on Twitter trying to discredit him, oh, he's overrated, oh, Purdue, oh, he had a bad game against Ohio State, oh, Nebraska. Fucking morons. My favorite part about it is you can look at the numbers, look at the stats. Oh, by the way, of which Kenneth Walker stacks up, by the way, are monster for him as well. You can look at those, but my favorite part about it is anybody trying to say, oh, he didn't belong. Oh, he's overrated. Oh, he didn't have that great. Oh, Ohio State. Instantly I just know. Oh, you so you didn't you never got you got to watch him play this year? That sucks. I feel for you. You didn't get to watch him play? That's a shame. That really is a shame. Imagine not getting to watch Saquon Barkley play at Penn State, dude. I'd feel bad for you. Oh, you didn't get to watch Christian McCaffrey at Stanford? That sucks, dude. Anybody discrediting him, I you instantly just know. You could watch him play once. You can watch him play one game. It doesn't even have to be the Michigan game where he dominated. You could watch him play in a game. I don't have the stats in front of me. A game where he had a modest like 100 yards, maybe a touchdown, nothing crazy. You could watch him play that game. And if you have vision, if your eyeballs work, it's so beyond evident how good he is. It's so clear how much better he is than any other running back you watch. There are other great running backs in the conference. Travion Henderson. Hassan Haskins, Blake Corum, those guys are all sweet too. But when you watch Kenneth Walker play, and then when you watch those guys play, it's, oh, oh, Kenneth Walker's better than that. They're great. They're very good players. It's not even a debate, though, who's more talented. It's not even a debate who creates yards out of thin air. It's not even a debate who does more with less. How many times this season did Kenneth Walker's offensive line just miss a block, flat-out miss a block, and he's getting met in the backfield, and it's somehow a four-yard game? How many times this season does the linebacker meet him three yards past the line of scrimmage and somehow Kenneth Walker's 30 yards down the field? How many times this season does he look like he's bottled up by two defenders And next thing you know, he's outside around the edge for 15. How many times did he do that this season? How many times did it look like, oh, nice, 15-yard gain up the middle, and then he makes a cut, and all of a sudden he's in the end zone? He makes a cut that nobody sees. He makes a cut that us watching from that overhead television angle, you can't even see. And he makes it, and he's in the end zone. How many times did he do that this year? I can't even think of them all. I can't even count them all. He probably did it four or five times in every single game where it's he's gaining 30 yards more than he should have on a run. He It should be a loss of five. Somehow he gets three. He did it multiple times every game. He made cuts like runners I haven't seen before. He ran with power. He ran with speed. He had vision, the likes of which I haven't seen before. You watch him play one single time, and you can't say, He's not the best running back in the country. You can't say a player on another team elevated their program more than he did. You can't. If you watched him play, you can't. Honestly, say that you can't because you're either lying or you didn't watch him. It's a fact. And to leave him off the Heisman ballot, whether it's because they're not in the playoff or they don't, you know, they didn't win the conference championship or he doesn't go to Michigan or fucking Alabama is horseshit. It's absolute horseshit. Oh, because because CJ Stroud sat there and racked up a bunch of yardage when fifty other quarterbacks in the country would have done the same thing. He gets to go. Not one running back in America would have had the season Kenneth Walker had if they wore the green and white. I promise you that. Peyton Thorne at Ohio State, he'd be in New York. Peyton Thorne in Alabama, he'd be in New York. For sure. Not one other running back. Would have done what Kenneth Walker did. That's a fact. And if you watch Michigan State play, you know that's a fact. It's a fucking shame that they left him off the ballot. It's an absolute shame to him. It's a shame to college football. It's a shame to the running back position. It's a shame to anybody who isn't USC, Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, Georgia. It's fucking pathetic that they left him off. It's a joke. It discredits the Heisman. It should have never happened, and it should never happen again. Anybody who watched him play once, you know he's different. You know he's a one-of-one. One. Anybody who watched him play, and you're either lying or you didn't watch, it's fucking joke he's not going to New York City. It's the best offensive player in the country. Did more with less than anybody else in the country. He's the best running back in the country. He torched a defense that had one of your Heisman finalists on it for 197 and five yards in the biggest game of the season at that point. But he's not going to New York. Fucking joke. That's all I got today, folks. Appreciate everybody who listens. Appreciate the supporters. If you came here from TikTok, if you're new, welcome. Welcome, baby. This is why I created the TikTok to bring you guys here. This is where, you know, we can get a little more in depth. We can talk. We can chat. We can open up the brain. All right. That's all I got today. I'll be um on the second string podcast feed tomorrow, back here on Thursday, second string pod again, Friday. Follow along. Follow the TikTok, Instagram, the whole deal. Um, appreciate you guys. Oh, by the way, if you're thinking about ordering something from the second string, maybe a canine sweater to support the man. It's the least you could do after he got snubbed. you want to order some Michigan stuff, whatever for Christmas, the deadline's December 12th. So do not hesitate. Um, And stocks going anyway, sizes are selling out all that good stuff. So if you're planning on getting something for Christmas, make sure you get there ASAP. All right. Appreciate you guys. Have a great day. Positive vibes only. I'll talk to you tomorrow and then back here Thursday.